if I sing the red light stop signs part yes. to the last, I still love you, babe. Yeah, yeah. As the code open, yeah. that you'll be rather upset. Yeah. Of driver's license I will, by Olivia Rodrigo. You said forever now I drive alone past your street. Well, you're saying that if I do that for the cold open, that this, this staged, choreographed cold open, yes, it's going to hurt you. Yes, this premeditated assault will hurt me. I'm sorry. And mostly because I've heard you two sing this and talk <laughs> about this for so long and think it's really funny, and it's not it's really not funny. funny. It's not funny at all. I think now this is getting too mean. It doesn't feel fun anymore. Exactly. That's what we were going for. I'm quitting. <laughs> Goodbye. Now I feel just as upset as when I drive alone past your street. Boom. <laughs> Red lights. Stop signs. I still see your face in the white cars. Uh, you don't even know the words, <laughs> and you've had two weeks to figure it out. Hello, and welcome to Where's the News? Yeah, we just started the episode. You're looking surprised over there. I caught you off guard. Sometimes you got to do surprise. We might have had such an influx in listeners from the Edgar Snyder episode, and they turn it on to see what else we do, and they hear that. <laughs> they hear that. Think about that when we <laughs> get the analytics back for this episode, and they're in the toilet. Think about that. What that John just? Garrett can does. see the precise moment people tuned out, and I guarantee you, <laughs> it'll be in that first minute. Look, you come for Edgar, you stay for the singing. My not for the news, not for the personalities. You stay for the scene. Whatever. You know what, Nick? You seem kind of grumpy. How are you doing today? I'm not grumpy. It's just been a long weekend, and I'm tired, and it needs it needs to be over. I mean, Davy Jones did abduct you from our marathon of a certain pirate-themed movie, so. I think everyone knows what it is already, though. I mean, how many pirate movies are there? Not many. The Sinbad? Penzance, Sinbad. Uh... Sinbad? Sinbad 2 Electric Boogaloo. Listen, I'm going to I know we're not supposed to be talking about these till the episodes, but those movies were fantastic and I No, could, no, I, no, no, no. I don't recall them being as good as they are. Well, we can't go too in depth. Uh, I just said have... without getting too in depth and then you proceeded to cut me off to tell me not to go too in depth. That'll be a special episode coming real soon. I'm going to have a special episode for you. John, how are you doing? Uh, I'm in a good mood today. I was too. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all I'm gonna add. You're all, all you're gonna add is you're in a I'm good in a mood. Good mood. We cleaned. Garrett and I cleaned our apartment this weekend. So like for the first time in forever, it's clean and doesn't smell bad. I got like a little Febreze plug in, so my room smells good in particular. Uh, I cleaned my bookshelf. Got a nice looking bookshelf. That's pretty rad. Uh, Your bookshelf is nice. I, I I got a nice room. I gotta Your say, room's nice when it's cleaned up. You know, I don't want to sit here and toot my own horn, but man, well, I got toot, a pretty well, I got toot, a pretty toot. Toot. room. Toot. <laughs> yeah. Well then. That's what Garrett does when he eats bread. I, <laughs> I would argue that my room matches the vibes of the transition music between the sections of the show. Wait, that's a fantastic analogy. <laughs> like, no, no. I think that's accurate. I, I don't feel like your room has those vibes. Okay, what vibes does my room give off then? Your room gives off a very Foo Fighters, like, kind of like, oh yeah. I'm John Blynn kind of vibes. Like, it's such a John Blynn-like I room. disagree. I feel like our podcast transition music is more accurate to 24-hour lo-fi music to study slash relax to, that imagery. I don't know. My room could totally be the thumbnail to, like, that lo-fi hip-hop playlist. No. Like, the red light that's always on. You know the what I mean? stop signs. The poster. <laughs> Oh, man, we're going to run this bit into the ground. <laughs> we really this is are. why I was afraid. <laughs> I was petrified. Well, why don't we hop right on in to the episode? Let's do it. With some uh, arts and entertainment. wide world of arts and entertainment there's plenty of things going on but uh there's one topic i kind of want to touch upon because people have been seeing it some people are confused by it other people aren't 
let's talk about Dr. Seuss. Who? Oh, God. Horton saw one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so for those of you not in the loop, uh, the Dr. Seuss estate and the company who produces his books right now decided that they would pull six books that they deemed were inappropriate for a modern audience. Um, to go down the list of the books, since I have them sitting here, uh, the books that will no longer be offered on store shelves are McElligot's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Egg Super, The Cat's Quizzer, and To Think I Saw It on Mulberry Street, and If I Ran the Zoo. Now, you know, that's perfectly fine. Most companies will nowadays are looking at older works and going, oh, you know what, there's some racial stereotypes in this. Uh, Disney does it on anything that they go, okay, there's a racial stereotype here, but we want to address it. Um, a matter of fact, Dr. Seuss has done it before. Um, they have reprinted some of the books with additions made, and they kind of change up the language a little bit just for some racial insensitivities. Uh, he did that around the 60s. but The 60s? What? No wonder. <laughs> what? Like, well, it, uh, let, let, me, let me go on. Why are we surprised if it was the 60s? Well, let, let me keep going down. Okay. So after they banned these books, uh, you can say that the more conservative demographic, in particular a lot of like House Republicans and Donald Trump Jr., like typically the conservative voices were like, this is abysmal. And they were kind of making a statement um, – a matter of fact, one of them is actually getting heat now because he read Green Eggs and Ham and went, I love Dr. Seuss. If you still love him, retweet, which, I mean, if that doesn't feel like, smash that like button enough for you. <laughs> but I want to get your guys' input on this. What are your thoughts on, and especially kind of as journalist, these books being cut out of publication? Because we'll, we'll divvy it up a, a bunch because there's a ton of ways we can tackle it. But I... You, you said the 60s in a very surprised tone, so why don't you? Well, I, the other reason I said in a very surprised tone is because, like, as a kid, you know, Dr. Seuss Day was always just around, so Dr. Seuss always felt like a very prominent and very fresh thing because it's still, like, his holiday is still very prominently celebrated in schools today. So I think it's easy to forget, like, oh, that was the 60s. You know what I mean? Oh, his, his work is old. A matter of fact, he did comics and worked in media in World War II. That was specifically tailored to be propaganda. Hmm. And some of his work is very much racially charged as a result, but not like things that were in Dr. Seuss books. But that was an early influence on him. And that's a thing you got to kind of keep in mind is, yeah, he was old. He was from ye olden time, uh, World War II. And there's a lot of prejudices he had at the time, and his art style was influenced by what was popular at that time obviously with that being said garrett not endorsing it of course not endorsing the the stereotypes that are depicted in the book oh no and a matter of fact um in his one of his first works i think it is his first published work is and to think i saw it on mulberry street they changed some of his language because he said china man referring to somebody from china and they uh, Mended the book. They changed the language. They changed up the picture just a little bit to make it a little bit less racist. But the book's now being taken off of store shelves because they think it's still kind of offensive and they don't want to alter his work any more than he already did. Uh, that one came out in the 40s. To contrast, because we were actually talking about this a little bit earlier in the day, uh, the book with the Sneetches and about accepting people who are different came out in the height of the civil rights movement. So a completely different tone. Yeah. One of the arguments I saw is he kind of did this progressive forgiveness thing. Like he, You kind of see him go from the books featuring that, which are older books, to his newer books, which are more you know, socially aware of what they're talking about. And, I mean, that just adds to the point. It's a product of its time. I mean, there are countless things in the world today that are still popular that obviously – don't hold up well i mean I, I can't think of an example airplane yeah airplane it's still 
wildly loved today, but there are some jokes in there that don't fly. And I think that the reason this Dr. Seuss case has gotten as large as it is, is, you know, Dr. Seuss's work is ridiculous. It has a certain element of ridiculousness to it. It's a bit wacky. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people are saying, oh, well, this is ridiculous. Why are we even bothering with it? But then at the same time, you can say, well, it's meant for children, and you don't want to instill these images uh, to children at an early age because then they're going to carry that with them for the rest of their lives. So I can see the weight of it. Um, I think it's easy to dismiss, oh, it's just Dr. Seuss. But at the same time, you have to remember who his target audience is. Majority of the time, uh, adults can enjoy his work too, simply if like, you know, art styles alone and things, things of that nature. But I, I think... I'm indifferent towards it. It's one of those things, obviously I don't endorse the stereotypes. That's wrong. That's always going to be wrong. Don't do that. Um, but I think that the response to it is wrong. As you mentioned, those books are going out of commission entirely, right? The ones with the, the racist imagery. I personally yeah. think, well, and to clarify, they're just not going to be sold in stores anymore. Mm -hmm. They have made decisions to keep them in libraries, which is perfectly fine. Because, I mean, even libraries will carry banned books. It's books don't disappear and a lot of the more conservative voices on this are going well you're trying to erase history by getting rid of books but that's not necessarily what's happening it's not like the book has been banned and it's oh get it off the shelves it's well, we're not going to print anymore right and i think that you know that's one thing too i think you could print more i don't know the demand for dr seuss books anymore i don't know if they're still selling like crazy or anything like that but i think if you wanted to print more just take out the pages that are depicting stuff that we don't really want to see uh, nowadays and we don't really want to introduce to our children. Just cut out, like, the two pages that have that because, you know, once you get rid of that, the book is fine. I, I can see a certain argument where you want to preserve the art. The arts and entertainment guy, believe it or not, says, Dr. Seuss, maybe you want to preserve the art. There's a context, there's a story flow that they follow, and I think it's an important thing to keep I do think as a publisher they have the right to just go we're not going to print it anymore it's not what we believe in we're just not going to produce it anymore but we want it to still exist it'll exist forever books I'm pretty sure most of Dr. Seuss's library is in the Library of Congress so and th that's another thing I, I also think it's important because I like old movies uh, that's, that's one thing that I en enjoy checking out every now and then and occasionally there will be a joke that I'm like, nah, I don't really like this. Or I'll just catch something where I'm like, yeah, that, that wouldn't be acceptable in, in a movie that came out today. And that doesn't take away from what makes the movie great sometimes. And I think that we have to consider that art is always going to be sometimes past its time, but also always an element of its time as well. It's, it's meant to be interpreted years and years down the road but also meant to be interpreted right then and there. So it's always going to carry the characteristics of that time. I mean, look at the movie like 16 Candles. Great coming-of-age story. You know, anybody's mother who's listening to this podcast, I know mine in particular, great movie, fantastic film, you know, impactful. It, you have emotions tied to it. But there's a character named Long Duck Dong because that was seen as funny was that, oh, her Chinese cousin is Long Duck Dong. He has sexy American girlfriend. Like, I mean, look at Borat. People are still laughing at Borat. But 20 years from now, people are probably going to go, okay, well, that's, you know, a little bit insensitive towards this group of people. And I think that one of the best things that we can do is if you hide something from people for so long, those people are naturally going to seek it out right or when they do see it it's going to have a greater impact on them i think as a society we're really trying to make this step where we eliminate everything that's uh racist and toxic and we should but also absolutely i, I want to drive that point home we absolutely should get rid of those things we don't want those stereotypes around anymore we don't want to be making things worse but we also have to remember that we need to remind ourselves we need to teach the future generations as well that when these things are around, we have to be able to say, okay, this is wrong. And if I can, if I, like I said, if I'm watching an old movie and I see a, a joke 
that came from the 1930s that I wouldn't particularly care for today that I think, okay, that's a little wrong. I, I have to be able to say that was wrong. But I don't want that art to disappear as a result. I, I hope that makes sense. I, I threw a lot in that response. Uh, like I said, obviously, we want to get rid of we want to get rid of racist stuff, and that should always be the case. But it's a double-edged sword. You're losing art, and you're also you know doing something good by eliminating that. And it's really just give and pull in all aspects. A very astute response, and you didn't even have to read Green Eggs and Ham to drive home your point. I do think that that's one of the things that is kind of blowing this out of the water, like completely diverging from the nature of the topic. You know what we think about it. We think you need to preserve art. I think, you know, it's fine if you don't print it. It's still going to exist. It's still out there for consumption, historical purposes. You know, it's not censoring their speech. They're self-censoring, which is fine. Nobody was really pushing them. They kind of just made the announcement, and people went, ah, you know what, okay. But you have all these people who feel like, oh, this is cancel culture just climbing its greasy little way in. Uh, you have Donald Trump Jr. showing his copy of The Cat in the Hat with his son going, oh, he loves it so much, but his hand is conveniently covering the thing that says bilingual edition, and people kind of point out, well, why'd, you, why'd you cover that? Because he's holding the book like in the strangest way possible, intending to cover it. Uh, reading Green... Uh, Green Eggs and Ham, there is nothing wrong with that. And a matter of fact, Green Eggs and Ham Day at my preschool was one of the coolest things we ever did. I feel like I I feel like I don't know, something in me is telling me that Nick is going to agree with this to some extent. When I was a kid, I was always afraid of the green eggs. They would all the other kids would be eating the green eggs and the ham and I would be like, uh uh-uh, uh, I don't want to eat the green eggs. And I they'd be like, You don't you don't have to eat the green I, eggs if you don't want to and I was like, Good, don't let that touch my lips. I it's green. I don't like eggs in general, so I didn't like eggs at the time, so I wouldn't but, eat the green eggs. But, but the we green aspect to them, though. And I didn't want to eat the ham because I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Because I'm like, it doesn't look like the ham that my mom buys from uh, the, the giant eagle. But instead, and this will surprise listeners, I would eat stacks of toast. <laughs> like... The good old days. Yeah, you know what? This is exactly why you have a gluten allergy. God smited me due to my consumption You're of gluten lo- glutton over there. I was eating so much toast. It was like they knew it was an issue. They went, oh, we got to make some more toast for Garrett. <laughs> I, w- I was just going like. Oh. You get the fill of a lifetime worth of bread. But the toast. Within <laughs> Dr. Seuss day to last you a lifetime. We had Dr. Seuss Day, but you want to know what else we had? Uh, Thanksgiving, where we dressed up in little Indian outfits and ran around. And, you know, preschoolers don't really get that stuff. Whenever they're older, they look back with hindsight and go, Ugh! <laughs> I thought I was hot fuzz the day that I did try the, uh, the green eggs, though. I was like, I'm so brave. I tried the green eggs. They just tasted like normal eggs. <laughs> and then they were like, yeah, it's food coloring. It was going to taste like that always. Yeah, sometimes food coloring has a flavor to it. You know, I didn't like the green fruit snacks. They they always freak me out, mainly because they kind of look like snot. Like, you know, you get the Scooby-Doo pack and the Mystery Machines green, and then throw the Mystery Machines out, go specifically for the blue Scoobies. The Scooby-Doo ones slapped. And they're gone now, just Rip. like everything else I love. I think, if anything, we should have canceled him for cheating on his wife who was dying of cancer, but that's... Yeah, not a good guy. He's not a good guy. For the record, like, the art, good. Uh, Dr. Seuss never really was a good guy. Damn, could he rhyme. <laughs> that's all they can say about he him. He spit a good <laughs> he bar. Could, he could spit a good bar or two. Wu-Tang ain't got nothing on Seuss. I think a <laughs> thing people are failing to realize is that his own estate was like, hey... Let's not sell these anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, they're going after Dr. Seuss. Well, but no, it's like damage control, basically, from his own estate that doesn't want his legacy to get harmed by people that actually would go out and go, oh, look at how problematic this is. I think his daughter ended up speaking out against it, you know, by the time we recorded this. And I'm sure more people will be like, uh, I knew Dr. Seuss, and he, and he would want his books to be published. Uh, please give me more money and more attention. But I think his daughter said, you know, oh, well, he wasn't a racist. You know, he did all these things. But that's not really what they're trying to say. That's what people are trying to make it out to be. Like, the people who are offended by it are saying, you're saying Dr. Seuss is a racist. And everyone else is going, no, we're saying that this picture is. 
he drew it. He had some things wrong with him, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he ain't a racist. Again, a product of his time. And that time was pretty racist. Yeah, I mean, if you ask, if you went back in time and asked somebody in the 20s, what do you feel about this picture? They go, ha that's pretty good. Right. Waka waka. Before we conclude, uh, this all sort of made me feel childish, right? This whole, oh, this whole no. Dr. Seuss topic really, really made me feel like a kid. No. Um, and I thought that the best oh. way to really, to really sum up this, this topic and the feelings that I'm currently having with it was to express it the same way that Dr. Seuss would have, through rhyme. So I wrote a little Dr. Seuss paragraph, and I would like you all to enjoy. <clears throat> People are trying to cancel Dr. Seuss. Twitter came down upon him with the wrath of Zeus. Certain parts of his books were kind of racist. We want to teach children not to say this. So what did we do, you ask? We took away the mean ones and left the clean, green eggs book. But this doesn't get him off the hook. <laughs> Democrats and Republicans are going to war, but no one will win. Why, you might ask? Because they're fighting over books meant for children. So when it comes to the Grinch, Mr. Brown, and the Lorax, who speaks to the trees, let's stop fighting and get over this, please. I like that half of that didn't even rhyme. <laughs> what do you mean? It kind of rhymed. There were a couple of slant rhymes. There were yeah, several stretches there. <laughs> well, at least I, all right, at least I had the dignity and the integrity to not make up words for the sake of my rhyming. Like I will that make one up on Dr. the spot did. right now. All right, let's freestyle Dr. Seuss uh, over uh, there, Nick Hedrick. Uh, um, uh, um. Dr. Seuss, you wrote some mean books. Now some people are giving you dirty looks. Okay. You said words that hurt. You said words that made people cry. Now it's time to kiss your books goodbye. <laughs> God. <laughs> they won't be in stores. They won't be online. And maybe someday you'll run out of time. <laughs> he already did. <laughs> Thank you. Um. <laughs> Stop using children's media to wage political wars. <laughs> get over it. Okay, well, not get over it in the sense of, like, get over the stereotypes. That's fine. But Democrats, get over the fact that Republicans are reading Dr. Seuss. Republicans, get over the fact that people are offended by certain things in Dr. Seuss. All right? Dr. Seuss. Why is it Get over the nonsense words. I don't get there, it. There's been more discussion about Dr. Seuss than there has been about health in America. I mean— there's people still saying, like, there's been no accountability for Black Lives Matter. And you're going, well, you know, Dr. Seuss, well, the, the Republicans seem kind of mad about this. Maybe we should be talking yeah. more about this. Get over it. That's, that was the moral of my, my children's more, novel. There's more on my Twitter feed about that than any other race issue currently going on, is that people are like, Dr. Seuss may have been a little offensive. No, Dr. Seuss is good. Uh, no, we didn't say it wasn't good. We said he was a little racist. Well, just like I just don't understand. Whatever. Anyway, Garrett, do you, do you wanna you wanna keep going? Yeah. Uh, let's let's hop into what we've been reading, watching, listening to. We'll start with you, John, because we start with Nick last week, hmm. last time we did this. So my roommate Jonah recently was just messing around on. Is it HBO Max? Yeah, it's HBO Max. It's on. And he stumbled upon an old Cartoon Network show that many of us grew up with. I remember spending countless hours at my grandmother's house watching it with my brother. Not countless hours because they really only put it on for an hour at a time. But I would just go to my grandma's room and watch this show with my brother, The Misadventures of Flapjack. And you may be thinking, well, John, why are you discussing a children's show right now? Well, to match the theme of the children's books, number one. And number two, because it's really funny. Um, it holds up so well i'm not gonna sit here and just like ramble on about the jokes but like a hermit <laughs> revisit that show if you grew up with that show i highly encourage you to go back to that show and check it out it is so funny i think the art style in it is great i think that captain knuckles is one of the best characters uh out of children's media i mean 
it, they wanted a character to look gross, and they made him look Everything gross. Everything in that show looks gross. Like No, no, no. Flapjack always looks kind of like, oh, you know, he's kind of cutesy. You know, Bubby's always like, oh, you know, there's Bubby. Oh, motherly figure. And then there's Knuckles, who's like, they draw, like, warts on him. <laughs> His face is consistently stretched and mashed and... Whenever he gets beat up, it's just him as a pulp on the ground. Nate, did you ever watch that show as a kid? What show? The Misadventures of Flapjack. I don't think so. Not a Cartoon Network kid? I watched The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Nickelodeon or Disney? Oh, I was Nickelodeon through and through. I thought a lot of the Disney shows were corny, even as like a nine-year-old. I I I see how it is. (laughs) Uh, You you Cartoon Network boy with John Blinn, Nickelodeon Nick. And old Disney Gary. I also uh, started today, I'm reading the first memoir written by Carrie Fisher, uh, Wishful Drinking, which sort of talked about her time as an alcoholic, the hardships of her life, and uh, just growing up as someone who was just always in the spotlight, you know, born to two famous parents. And then by age 19, she's Princess Leia, and still to this day, Princess Leia is one of the most iconic characters in anything. So... She talks about how she coped with that, and it's so far it's great. I'm only one chapter in. I finished a, another book, but you know that might you might see that surface later. Uh, but I, I I started it today. It's it's funny. It's it's a very human book, and she makes light of a lot of terrible things. And she sort of describes it as like, yeah, that's the only way I can get past it is I just got to make light of it. And it's a pleasant read. It's not a bummer. I wrote a poem. You wrote a poem. I did. I think it could outsell Dr. Seuss Well, that's books. good, because my segment's done. I just wanted to talk about those two things, and I'm, I'm Great. out of here. Great. Actually, they should have to wait to the end to hear the poem I wrote. I'm uh, down for that. All right, well, stay tuned for a killer poem, bruh. <laughs> you didn't like that, huh? No, I didn't like you hitting the 2016 bra right in the mic. <laughs> it's 2021. Oh, 2016 was so long ago. I hate that. That was five years ago. Let's move on to Mr. Nick Hederick, and also an old man compared to you. Yeah, that's true. Well, I've been uh, I haven't watched a lot lately. I had a really busy week with school last week. Um, been watching a lot of college basketball because it is March Madness season. Uh, but when I do have time, I've been enjoying my childhood as I apply for jobs and begin to realize I'm not a child anymore. And I've been watching a lot of iCarly and remembering simpler times and enjoying when they pull out flip phones to text each other on iCarly. Um, in addition, people, people said that I reminded them of Gibby when I was in uh, high school, and uh, that kind of always lingered with me. That's kind of mean. I know. That's that actually very mean. That's very mean. Because his whole gimmick was, ha-ha, fat kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's just... That yells his name. Oh, don't forget Give annoying. <laughs> don't forget annoying. Yeah. Uh, other than that, though, not a whole lot. The occasional YouTube video. I've been listening to the Weekends After Hours album um, a lot, too, getting back into that. Uh, but other than that, no- nothing much in terms of what I've been doing. Um, yeah. Well, thank you, Nick. That's uh, That's plenty. Um, honestly, I should have spent more time thinking about what I was going to talk about. Uh, WandaVision just finished up, so I've been kind of on a Marvel kick recently. Um, watched Days of Future Past last night. Pretty, pretty good X-Men movie. Uh, probably one of the better Marvel movies out there. Then I followed it up with watching Endgame. Still kind of chugging through that. It's, I don't have time to sit down and watch a four-hour Marvel romp where they quip the whole time. Uh, going back to that movie, there's a lot of kind of flaws with it that I'm noticing. You know, whenever you first saw it in theaters, you're like, best movie ever. It just ended a 20-year I never thought that. Oh, I'm John. Ooh, movie critic boy. We've all seen firework displays before. I have a movie podcast. But, yeah, I think the biggest issue with that You'll never be as good as having an opinion. Oh my god! I, I think <laughs> that was ruthless. That that was mean. I think starting off with a finger football scene, they they start the movie off perfectly with Hawkeye. You're just talking about the wrong movie. I show you X Men: Days of Future Past. Well, I, one I of my favorite superhero movies ever, and you're sitting here talking about I the to fireworks. Show. Hold up, hold up, hold up. This know, is all leading. Time. This is leading up to something. Okay. They kind of don't get their tone down because they start off with Hawkeye going like oh i'm arrow man you know and then his family goes dissolves into dust 
Uh, if you didn't see, I did a little finger waggle with that for the v- listeners at home. I can promise you they didn't see. Oh, okay. Well, as long as they didn't. Um, then they start. Then immediately they go to a finger football scene, and then it's another sad scene. There's this kind of whiplash between, oh, you know, we're supposed to be like hopeless and then have hope, but it works. There's some scenes that really work, and I feel like if you cut some parts out of the movie and even made it shorter, the movie would be a lot better. Um, that being said, there's a lot of things that do tone well. And I have two kind of book things that I want to recommend while I'm sitting here. Uh, the first thing that I think, if you think Disney doesn't do tone well, like Disney is like, oh, okay, well, they just kind of have like, oh, you know, things don't really line up all the time. I have another one of those Disney books I mentioned last time. I mentioned the Milan one. Um, I finally got around to reading the Beauty and the Beast one that I said I was going to do, and that one is another really good one. It changes the tone of the story completely by essentially posing the question, like, what if the Enchantress was somebody important in the world? What if we grew upon the world that was Beauty and the Beast and we made it everything a little bit more real? What if we made it more serious? And as a result, it works out a lot better. There are still the little goofy moments because, you know, the Beast is essentially just, you know. One of the bros. He's a bro. The the Beast is like, oh, yeah, bro, I'm going to flip off the roof onto this table. But very good. I liked it immensely. Another good tone book that I think, but not very writing-wise, is um, I've been reading the Lemmy biography. Self-titled Lemmy. Um, It does a very good job of discussing this metal musician who kind of paved the way for the future of the music industry. It gets a little bit too technical. I'm in the middle of the book now, and I had to put it down because it was just getting too dense. I needed a break to just sit it down, process things. I think the beginning of the book where they talk about his childhood, what kind of led him to where he was, some of his early music career, and like music education, very good. But as soon as they kind of get into the Hawkswind stuff, it starts to slow down and the, into Motorhead and the constantly changing bands and members and everything. It just gets slogged down. Overall, I think you should check it out. I will obviously keep you updated if it ends up being horrible, but check out my uh, Goodreads if you really want the full opinion. You should have an opinion. You should have an opinion elsewhere. You know what I don't have an opinion on? Let's go to sports. All right, well, I have a when sports becomes news kind of story going on here. Uh, Kind of a bummer, but also good news in a way. Uh, Ryan Switzer, who is a former Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver, had recently had some struggles with his son, um, Christian, and Christian had to undergo surgery after a run-in with COVID-19, but he is stable and resting after surgery. Switzer provided the update, an update on Twitter just before four o'clock on Sunday, and on Saturday morning, Switzer first asked for prayer, saying that he and his wife. Gaby's nine-month-old son, Christian, woke up uh, in his own blood and was positive for COVID-19. So, obviously, that's something really tough for a child that age. But, as I mentioned, he did undergo surgery, and he is recovering pretty smoothly from the sounds of it. So, you know, just keep me updated on your Pittsburgh Steelers. I know the city tries to care about them. And just wanted to introduce some sports news to get the flow started. Yeah. What else? Uh, I really don't know. Pittsburgh's very tame right now. The Penguins are doing things. They blew a three-goal lead the other day, uh, but they ended up taking two or three from Philadelphia. Uh, the Pirates are pirating um, in spring training. That's very nice to see that they're pirating. Um, they, they've had a couple guys not look too bad, like Gregory Polanco, who's been ready to have a breakout year for, I don't know, six years at this point. Um... But other than that, there's really not a whole lot going on. Obviously, March Madness and stuff, but really no local teams are in it um, at this point. RMU's done. Duquesne's done. 
Uh, Pitt still has to play in the ACC tournament, but they're not going to win it, um, and they're not going to get a bid either. So uh, nothing, not a good year for college basketball in the area, unfortunately. Why do you think that was? Just everything going on. A lot of the teams were young. RMU joined a new conference. Uh, Duquesne battled. Uh, I couldn't tell you really what Duquesne's problem was. Uh, Pitt wasn't doing that well. I think they had some COVID issues, which everyone had, so that doesn't make them that unique in that sense. Uh, in the last couple weeks, they've had two of their best players leave. And on top of that, they're just kind of young. Um, but, yeah, and now there's some questions on if they should keep their coach or not because he's been building all – he's been bringing in all these young guys. Uh, some of them are quitting. Some of them aren't as good as people were hoping they'd be so far. Granted, they're still young, though, so I don't know why that's the case. Um, but so there's some questioning on if he should get fired or not. I don't think he should, but – it, you know, it was. It's an easy year to make excuses for teams not being good from a college standpoint. Nick, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit because oh, I want to talk some more sports today. Yeah. No, you don't. I do. I genuinely do. I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to beef up the sports segment episode by episode. We're going to get there. Uh, but I want to ask you. We t- we've talked traditional journalism ideals here uh, before on the podcast. This no, is sort of our thing. We're experts. <laughs> we're not experts. But with that being said, you've been doing a lot of actual work in the Pittsburgh uh, media scene lately. Oh, home on the rain. <laughs> and I was just curious, you know, is there anything you want to share? Any takeaways that you've had just so far through working with Pittsburgh media? Is there anything you've realized about this city that maybe we don't traditionally see in other cities and their sports coverage? Because Pittsburgh is kind of like, you know, we're the sports city. We, we, we're, yeah. as Edgar said last week in the interview, it's like if you go anywhere, when you say Pittsburgh, the first thing that comes to mind from anyone is the Steelers, which that doesn't really happen with other cities. Steelers. So what's the question? Do you think there's anything, you know, in terms of sports journalism here in Pittsburgh that stands out compared to sports journalism in other cities? Well... And in not any way trying to sound like a total douche, I haven't worked in other cities, so I couldn't tell you if there's anything that is uniquely That's fine. I'm thinking just Pittsburgh, speculation and experience combined. But I've enjoyed what I've done at Pitt and stuff. I think that's a unique opportunity that I'm grateful for. But uh, I, I couldn't tell you, you know, like there's no fans, so it's not like I've run into fans. They're like, yeah, I'm like super passionate about this team. Let me talk to you, blah, 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 blah. But what I have found out, I guess one thing would be that people from the area are very supportive of other people from the area. I've written two feature articles so far, one on a girl that's a junior at McKees, or, uh, Peters Township and another one that's at Penn State that played in McKeesport, and both of those did really well on socials uh, platforms, I know. Uh, I don't have the numbers because I'm not in charge of those, believe it or not, for an actual organization. They don't let me look at those. Um, but just a lot of the commentary is just like, and it's not like, Nick, you did a great job. Um, there's been a couple like, Hey, this was a great piece on so-and-so, but they don't specifically say like, Nick did a fantastic, you know, because it shouldn't be about me. Um, but those were cool to get those compliments from people that don't have to say, Hey, this is good work. Um, but just seeing how those people like from the area supported, you know, the people that I was talking about was really cool to see. Uh, especially like how far it spread because the one girl's cousin played in the WNBA and the story was kind of how like she's forging her own path. Uh, this girl that's her cousin played for UConn and UConn's been very dominant in women's college basketball. I think the longest like win streak in history, they've dismantled teams left and right. They've had a couple years, I think now where they haven't won it, but they're number one again in the country this year right now. Uh, so she played at UConn, which is a conglomerate, and then she played in the WNBA for like a decade and a half, I believe. And she quote tweeted the article I did on her cousin that plays at Penn State. And like that got some traction, too. Um, so it's cool. There's a big bond down here, definitely, in terms of uh, people, you know, wanting to support and shout out other people from the area and give them attention and give them a spotlight, I suppose. So Amen. God bless America. I've been learning about like a lot through sports reporting this year. Just, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm in a, well, not obviously, I mean, not everyone knows this, but obviously I'm learning a lot about that field just through a class that the three of us are taking. It's a sports reporting class here at RMU. So these questions, you know, they're just coming to mind every now and then. I think that there's a sense of camaraderie 
amongst the Pittsburgh sports journalism area. Uh, but there's also a wicked competition going on amongst them too. Yeah. And I, I, I really enjoy just sort of hearing from all of these guys that we get to talk to in class, Josh Yoey, um, Alan Sanders, Saunders, sorry. Saunders, Saunders, don't <laughs> Alan Saunders. So fun to listen to, by the way. I um, not even because he's my boss, but I think he was the best one. I I, I thought the same thing. Because he gave answers that were long, but they weren't like, okay, dude, you're not answering the actual question. Now you're just rambling to hear yourself talk. Right. He was kind of like re- he was real with us, and he he didn't have a a certain sense of like uh, I'm above you guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not saying that many of the speakers that we talked to did, but yeah, Alan Saunders really stood out to me. There's there's a real divide in sports reporting and i don't want this to come off as if like i've earned i'm lifting my heavy book bag right now for some reason because i was putting a charger away so sorry for grunting uh, listeners at home and i'm not saying this in terms of uh being thinking i'm important or like i have the right to go out here and like call people out or anything but you can clearly tell from listening to certain people in the industry that there's this notion that some people think that they're extremely important because they do this and that's a very fair thing for them to feel because people pay for subscriptions to read your site and its content and your content. But that rubs me such in such a poor way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas other people like Alan Saunders and Josh Yoey were like, yeah, like I write sports. How cool is that? And I get to do this, but it kind of sucks because it's a grind, but I love it. But you're never going to have like a nine to five job and you're going to work weekends basically your whole life, blah, 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 blah. There's people that are, like, real about it like that, and they, like, kind of think it's funny that they, you know, don't get paid a lot, and they work 360 days a year. Uh, And then there's other ones that they address that, but they make it them – it seems to me that they think in their mind that that makes them, like, god status or god-tiered or something. And that rubs me the wrong way. Um, It really does, especially when you're talking to younger people. Like, I don't care how cool you think you are. Like, I want to learn what you have to tell me, you know? Uh, but, yeah, that, I've taken a lot away from that and just hearing the different tones of people that come to that class. I think that uh, there's a lot more to to the, the sports reporting area in Pittsburgh than I think a traditional uh person in the area realizes. I didn't know a lot about – I didn't know a lot about any of these guys that we've talked to, and – I'm doing a, a disservice by not listing off all the names, but we, we have talked to a lot of people, so it, it is, you know, hard to, to, to remember them all. Um, but, yeah, th- I think that something to dive a little deeper in your sports reporting. If, if you're from PA and maybe all you do is listen to Mark Madden on the radio, and, you know, I won't go there, but there are some really good people in the Pittsburgh sports media that I think we should give a little more credit. I agree. If Mark Madden isn't always one of the best people, we'll just say that. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's going to argue with <laughs> If you. I won't say it directly, Garrett will say it. I've yeah. heard before that he's not that bad a person. Well, in my advertising class, I feel like this is the perfect segue. In, in my advertising class, I said, you know what? For this sponsorship about uh, daycares, uh, we could get a Pittsburgh spokesperson to speak. Like, I don't know, Mark Madden. And uh, my advertising professor, you know him well, John. I won't mention him by name. But, I, you know, he went, oh, my God, no. You want Mark Madden to advertise taking care of your kids after he reads a cheerleader sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to give props. To, I don't want to talk about this guy too much. But uh, th- then let's move on. Let's move on. Haters. <laughs> We're, I'm a hater in one sense, but in the other, I respect him in terms of entertainment and he, self-brand. He it's knows, impressive what And he, he knows does. what he's talking about. Right. I will I will always give Mark Madden that. He knows what he's talking about. He's just not the nicest person when he does it. But other than that, it's taking away from my point because, like I said, there are uh, way, way better people in the industry, uh, really, really nice people too. And I, that that was the, the summary I wanted to take away from this. I wanted to hear a little bit more about Nick's, Nick's experience because it's something I don't get a whole lot of. And also, you know, I wanted to give those guys some nods too. And you want to know what I was doing during What's sports? That? What were you doing? I was reading.
So is it time to transition into the news? Yeah, and I feel like I've got a story to kick us off in news. A little, a oh, little quick whoa, one. Hey, oh, whoa, oh, oh, Garrett's just going to take the first one. Oh, it's breaking news. Right, oh, well, is it now? breaking news, go, go for it. Enlighten us, Garrett. This happened about an hour ago. Oh, um, on a Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, actually, it did. Several days before <laughs> this episode where? What? Go ahead. <laughs> Nothing ever happens on a Sunday night. For those of you who don't know, Nick is currently looking at me the same way that a lion looks at a wildebeest just, like, grazing at a oasis in the desert. Breaking news, someone dropped a bowl of breadsticks at a olive garden. Nothing happens on a Sunday night. Garrett, blow us away. Let's hear it. Except for Oprah. Oprah? Oh, and the queen. Yeah, so this has been on my social feed. I was curious about it. I read into it. The story is breaking that essentially the royal family was concerned about the skin color of the newest addition to the royal family uh, his name is Archie right that's I don't know I know nothing about the royal family so this is going to be news to me um, yeah his name is Archie but um, Meghan Markle essentially claimed that he was going to be denied his royal status and certifications and security because they were concerned that his skin color would be a little bit too dark. Which, um, okay. That's kind of a not something you drop lightly, especially against the royal family. The uh, Queen of England may have to pull out her battle suit and armor that she wore in the 1400s and personally come <laughs> after you for saying that she was uh, racist. But I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that from the get-go do you think uh, obviously it's early into the story we don't know what the queen's gonna say what the royal family's gonna say does the royal family i don't know have this issue where who cares what they say and everything they say has to be controversial i don't give a damn about those people they're, they're across the river listen <laughs> i i don't care why are we talking about okay i understand why because you know the prejudice the racism essentially yeah i, I, I get why we I, I get why that's a problematic but why do we care so much about these people i that's never they're literally figureheads it always england it doesn't i don't what makes this different than anything else why do we care it always feels like keeping up with the kardashians but with teasing tea and crumpets for me you know what i mean I, like I, I never really got into it i couldn't care less and I really don't care to add anything more. It's yeah. messed up. It's a messed up situation. It's 2021, but I don't care. I, I don't care. There's nothing I can add to this situation. These people need to get out of my life, and I need to stop hearing about them. And they're, oh, he's left the royal family. Oh dear, Prince I, Prince Harry or William, whichever one it is. What are you doing? Look, think I don't of, care. Think about it this way: they're the mascots of Britain. Seriously, literally, Boris Boris Johnson's the coach of the team, and then you got Grady with a tiara on her head, and suddenly everyone loses their mind. Compare the Queen of England to Grady. Yes. Alrighty then, we should probably move (laughs) off of this topic after that comment. But I just just wanted to bring up. Yeah, I mean, with that being said, obviously, if if they did do it, that's messed up. Yeah, in in all honesty, because I mean. Meghan Markle isn't necessarily even that dark of a skin tone either. It, I mean, granted, her husband is a redhead, so there was uh, that curse that was instantly placed upon that child that he would burn in the sun no matter how dark he was. Uh, sorry, Nick, about that. Uh, there's a reason he lives in Erie, PA, and not California. I will fight you. <laughs> but um, I just think that that's something that we needed to kind of address. Um, it's a story that honestly kind of baffling me oprah got to break it but what do you got for us john i have something a little less light or a little more lighthearted. uh i hope it's not time to bring up minimum wage no it's not time to bring up minimum wage because that's boring no offense uh but you know obviously Uh, all these people fighting for a minimum wage guess what you're boring (laughs) (laughs) you're not boring trust me we we all want the extra money Uh, like Every, everyone wants more money except for me but you know we're, we're gonna gloss over that topic that is a topic that economists and politicians that are smarter than us yeah. should be tackling there there are plenty of other people in the world who can talk about it there are plenty of other people in the world who have been talking about it so i'd rather talk about the world's first space hotel 
which is scheduled oh, to open in 2027. According to CNN Travel, back in 2019, a Californian company, the Gateway Foundation, released plans for a cruise ship-style hotel that could one day float above the Earth's atmosphere. I think you mean Wally. <laughs> Then called the Von Braun Station, this futuristic com concept compromised of 24 modules connected by elevator shafts that made up a rotating wheel orbiting the Earth was scheduled to be fully operational by 2027. Fast forward a couple years and the hotel has a new name, Voyager Station, and it's set to be built by Orbital Assembly Corporation, a new construction company run by former pilot John Blinkow. John Blinn? No, not me. I wish I would be making millions and millions and millions of dollars <laughs> if I did this. No, that's, uh, that's whenever you were on uh, Men With Milk, John Blinn Cal. <laughs> Who also heads up the Gateway Foundation. In a recent interview with CNN Travel, Blinn Cal explained that there had been some COVID-related delays, but the construction on the Space Hotel is expected to begin in 2026, and it could be a reality uh, the, the staying in space by 2027. Uh, also, that, that says a sojourn, in case you didn't know how to pronounce that I word. I just try not to read directly all the time. I try to paraphrase just uh, for the simple yeah, fact yeah, of uh, yeah, you know, yeah. making it conversational. I just want I, free health care. <laughs> we, we want free health care and a higher minimum wage, and these guys are like, let's build a hotel in space. <laughs> but also, I hate, I hate everything. You don't think it's cool? Yeah, it's cool, but the world is going to shit. Well, that's why you need a space hotel. I don't care about a space hotel. You ever see the Challenger? <laughs> oh, my God. Some scenes from uh, – so looking at the pictures. Like, what the, the hell? Looking at the pictures on the CNN article, um, yeah, some of this looks like scenes from Wally. -E. Yeah, I think that it's cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not take the route Nick is. I, I see your point, and it, I agree. It, it's cool. It, and I would do it if I wasn't afraid to fly, let alone go to space. I, I kind of uh, hate the way it looks. If it went completely around the planet, it would be like the halo. It looks like the halo. Death Star could take it in one shot. <laughs> That's what it looks like. No, it looks what? like if the Death Star crashed into it, it would be like a really awkward like interaction because it's round. Like it's a ring, and then the Death Star's a big old ball, We're and it would just kind of go like boop. All, all I've heard about is let's populate Mars, space hotel, ooh, Sheraton in the sky, ooh. Uh, it's actually more of a Motel Eight, <laughs> or the old Holiday Inn that we've turned into Yorktown in space. <laughs> okay, <laughs> milkshakes in space. Enough out of you. <laughs> um, I, 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 we can't get things right on Earth. No one gets along. Uh, the U.S. is going to go to war with China or Russia or North Korea like every other day, allegedly, or Syria. Um, and now we're, what are you looking at me like that for? You think I'm wrong? No, no, keep going. You can tell me I'm wrong? No, no, keep okay, going. Okay, great. So we're on the verge of war every day because no one can get along country-wise. No one in the countries can get along because everyone either thinks COVID's a hoax or it's the most deadly thing ever, and, and no one gets along at all because if I wear this mask, that means I'm a sheep, and if I don't wear this mask, it means I'm a crazy-ass conservative who's going to go outside and cough on people to give them the China flu because it's fake. Um, no one can get along on Earth, so let's just put people up in space. That seems like that's where all of our energy should be going so right now. So, are this, you saying? Oh, hold on, are you saying that we're going to start the Star Wars? <laughs> Got him. We're going to start the Star Wars. <laughs> I see Nick's point, and I think that he's leaving. He's leaving. <laughs> I think that until he comes back, I'm going to pitch this to just no you. <laughs> I think that uh, you know you could use this uh, in terms of Nick's uh, in terms of Nick's point uh, as Earth timeout. If you mess up bad on Earth and like you're not going to prison, you go to the space hotel. You know what? You go to the big elevator onion ring. We in already the sky. We what already if after you historically die? we already had that. Wait it was called Australia. Hold on, I just got I just like this idea a lot better. <laughs> that was funny. If you have a life sentence in prison. You get sent to the space hotel, and when you eventually die in the space hotel, they just open up this capsule, and you drift throughout outer space for the rest of eternity. But somebody's going to figure out how to, like, subvert that, and then we're going to have a bunch of space criminals. And then they're all going to go to Mars, take over Mars, and then we'll have a planet of, like, just space felons, space pirates, if you will. That's why we need space force. And Ted Cruz was right all along. <laughs> 
you got to have the Space Force protect those in space on the space, nice ritzy space hotel rather than space jail. Whenever they escape from space jail, the Space Force hunts down the space pirates. Do you know what movie they play there? What? Space Jam. Do you know what they butter their toast with? Space Jam. Do you know what they what kind of what they do when they dance to music up there? No. They space jam. Uh, I thought you were gonna say space boogie. <laughs> but no, yeah, okay. <laughs> to get back on track. All antics aside. I think I, uh, I think he's gonna make a lot of money. I because who wouldn't want to go to space? And also, how cool is it, right? Politics aside, that we live in a world where just a few years from now we have the possibility to. Just have like a space Disney World. Who's to say whenever I'm 80 and retired and have money and on the verge of death, I could just take my grandkids to Space Splash Lagoon. Like seriously, it could be like a cool vacation. How cool is that? We are living in the future. Uh, you have the possibility the to vacation in space now. Spl- That's so cool. Splash Lagoon is very cool, but um, I think it's one of the coolest places in Erie. But I've never been to my house. <laughs> I gotta raise the devil's advocate thing here. What's the devil's advocate thing? Wait, you're gonna ruin space vacation, Garrett? Well, all of this money is going to space travel. Vacation. You know, let's have a space luxury thing, and not enough is being done for people who are suffering on Earth. A lot of money went to Wandavision too, and no one complained. Oh, I just said that, and you decided to follow <laughs> it up with uh, Star Wars joke. So go ahead and try uh, to convince no, no, me no. that you actually care. No, no, no. I I do think that. Nick raises a good point, and that, that if this is to say? if this is all private funding, and yes, it did hurt to say that Nick <laughs> was right. If this is all private funding, that's fine. Pain. But as soon as government funding goes towards this, it's going to go. Well, why? You know, we just argued over a stimulus bill for like a thousand dollars. By the way, they got passed, and college students are getting money. But that's all. I, I think say. the f- best part of that was that people, if they get fourteen hundred dollars, are going to stop going to work. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... What? 1400 That's about, like... Okay, you can go to Disney World. Why would you? Disney World sucks sometimes. I don't, think I don't know. I I, ne- I'm indifferent. When I was a little, I thought $1,000 was a bunch of money. Yeah, now it feels like nothing. And now it's like, I know how I could blow through $1,000 in an afternoon. Uh, I could I could drop that stimulus check on a new camera and be done. I don't think that's where I was going. <laughs> that's like... Never mind, I won't tell that story now. But... You know, it's crazy. It's crazy how when we're little we have no clue. Yeah, how little you like get to twenty dollars for like your birthday. Whoa, I'm to buy a monster truck toy. Now I'm gonna buy half a tank of gas. Maybe I buy two. I put fifteen dollars in my gas tank yesterday, and it was just below the E, and it was barely halfway between the E and the halfway point. And I said, "What's going on here?" Gas was three dollars yesterday. We're in a weird point in politics now. It used to be, where's the news? We'd go, look at what Trump said slash did. Oh, my God. But now it's like, oh, well, Joe didn't get as much money as we wanted. My oh, well. Yeah, it's nice to sort of just. And jo- uh, for reference, Joe didn't do that to the gas prices. That was a bill from McConnell and Trump, and it just carries over now. I keep hearing it from people at home. It's getting me a little peeved. <laughs> Figure I'll just bring Ooh, it up here on Where's the News. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't like when I talk about my political views on this show because everyone knows I'm an independent, and I think that's the right way to go. But I don't think I'm, like, high and mighty because of it. But once again, I, 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 I kind of thought Joe wasn't going to do anything. Mm-hmm. I said he was going to sit there, and he was going to blame things on Don Don, and he was going to try to coast through the next well, four years. That, that only works for two years, kind of like the century rule where for a semester you can complain about the last guy. Yeah, but, like, I, I don't know. He he said all this stuff. He said all the right things. All that's like the tweet I saw, that I can't remember it now. But I remember how it ended. But I can't remember how it started. And how it started is literally the whole joke. So I can't say it. Um, <laughs> but like, it's none of these people in Washington care about you. And neither do the they people. pretend to care about you, but they really don't. Because when it c- comes time to pull the trigger, they just don't do what the people clearly want. And that their goal, their role, their job in our society is to make laws for the people and represent the people. And rarely do they ever represent the people. And all campaign season, all election season, they said, we, we hear you, we see you, rah, 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 rah. And they put them into office. And someone tweeted about this. 
every week Joe's like another week down and it's him walking in slow motion with like Cam Kamala down the hallway in the White House. And he's like, this dude's spending more time making, you know, slow-mo videos of himself than doing it. And it's true. His uh, – And every – and, like, his approval rating 60%. I don't think any of that's true. His social media is right on the verge of, like, cringe, but also, like, he, got, he, he gets away – he just barely gets away with it. You know what I mean? It's not Pokemon Go to the polls level, uh, but, like, also, like, I'm like, all right, Joe, like – you don't have to try this hard, buddy. You're already in. Like, I don't know what you're doing this for. It's We're screwed. We're screwed. With all these politicians up in the space hotel watching their space Yeah, they're going to be the first ones to go, too. They're going to give us our stimulus checks and be like, all right, now we can go on to the space hotel, and they won't even notice. They won't notice when we slip out <laughs> to the space hotel. Take these uh, star cruisers to Star Killer Base. Anyway, I thought the space hotel was cool. And it devolved into a conversation about politicians aren't don't have us in our best interest. But, John, how much money could housekeeping workers in the space hotel make during their shift? $7.25. <laughs> so the last topic that I want to dive into is the fact that RMU recently announced that they're going to be doing commencement in person this year, and they're only going to be letting a certain amount of people into the UPMC event center when they do it. But what's interesting about this year's commencement is that the class of 2021 is not the only class involved. The class of 2022 or 2020, I'm sorry, uh, that did not get a graduation ceremony last year is now able to get a graduation ceremony. I didn't read that to great detail. Is that I know they're doing it by schools and stuff. Are they going to like merge the schools and then just do like the comm school, which I know it's not that anymore. It's like the Henry Houdini's House of Com the School of Informatics. Yeah. Are they going to do like the class of 2020 and 2021 go on the same day from that school or is it going to be like the class of 2020 no, no, no. is going to go one day, 2021 the next day? So essentially it'll be the class of 2021 Oh, thank you, John. Uh, for the viewers at home, I accidentally fell out of my chair. Um, that's what happens when you have a uh, leany chair. Um, essentially, the way that it will work is the class of 2021 will graduate in May. It'll go by schools. Uh, the doctoral programs go first, and then we're following after them. I say we because me and Nick are graduating. I hope. Uh, we, we hope. Yeah, uh, Edgar. Yeah, Edgar told us last episode uh, it might be risky, and each day it's looking more and more riskier. Um, you, s you say with that more riskier. More riskier. As you want to be a writer. Oh, ha, ha. <laughs> but the class of 2020 will be in June. They're going to have their ceremonies then. It's good to see that RMU's kind of making the effort to get everyone accounted for. I like that. We saw recently with diplomas, they're re-adding majors to those. It seems like they're kind of listening to the voices of students, which is good. I wish they would do it a little more. I wish there was more effort they could make. It's obviously not the ideal situation, not being able to graduate with everyone, but I also feel like that'll help us. You know immensely. what? I'd rather graduate with only my school where there's people I know then listen to the whole school of engineering and the whole school of business. I agree. I have a couple friends in other schools at at this university, but oh, in this scholarly I don't place. care about the school of nursing. Scafe is scary. Scafe where the nursing classes are held. Nursing I always feel students like, are scary. Yeah, when I go in there, I always feel like I'm prey. I see them Every and I'm like, girl oh who man. Was mean in high school is currently in RMU's nursing program. <laughs> oh my I will, god. I will say that, like most of the some of the people that were like mean in my high school, are in the nursing program. I, it, I first I thought it was a mean, I, but no, it's just I, there are some nurses here that are very nice. That oh I yeah, know. I'm yeah, not going to sit here. Oh yeah, but I, some of them give me those vibes. But still, whenever there's I go into state hall where there's classes, and are, every dorky loser in high school is in probably the comm school, yeah, exactly. <laughs> including us. But uh, <laughs> yeah, anytime I go into like when it's winter and I'm walking back from my my comm building. I pass the nursing building, and sometimes I'm just like, I'm just going to walk through the nursing building just because I know it's going to be warm in here for a second. And I'll go in there, and I don't know, all, like all the students, they just give you like a look like you don't belong here. 
well, you don't belong you don't. here. You're not going to serve old people applesauce. Get out. Leave. Well, you don't belong there. That's the nursing building. You're a calm student. Yeah, I'm not saying that I disagree with that Imagine how they feel statement. going up to the old warehouse that was Wheatley. They have this brand new fancy building. We are in an old shed. Yeah, but when they come in, when classes. they come in there, I'm not going to tell them, "Hey, go get your tacos somewhere else. You're not allowed here. This is a calm building." Unless you can pitch me a campaign in the next five seconds, I'm going to burn you. Because they always—that's what they look like. They look like they're coming after me. Well, d- communications majors, you just you, you talk. That's what that's all you do. You talk, bro. I'm a business major. Hey, Garrett, what <laughs> what have we done for the past hour? Uh, disgust. <laughs> oh, nice save. Nick, why don't we end it on your poem? Thank you. <clears throat> Can we play some music? John, he is big and he is tall. I would hate to see him fall. There'd be a big thud. There'd be a big rumble. But John stands tall. He surely won't stumble. <laughs> John is a friend. A very swell guy. I even enjoy... Watching him fly, John flaps his arms like he's a big bird. But this bird is not the word. John let me wear his Bud Light hat. Friendship cannot get stronger than that. I'll miss John when I leave RMU, but I'll see him again when the sun shines and sky's blue. (laughs) Eat your heart out, Dr. Seuss, if that is your real name.